Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. You're listening to Nerd at Recap's Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I am Greta Johnson, and I had a terrible cold last week, and this is my voice now, and I didn't talk to anybody for like 36 hours just so that I could come here to complain about this episode. <laughs> it was dedication all weekend. She canceled plans. I did. Yeah. We finally have Lady Stoneheart. She's risen from the dead just to rasp curses at people. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So here we are. It's going to be great. <laughs> we are here, of course, to rehash Season 8, Episode 5, the penultimate to the series, not just season but series finale yeah. an episode called the bells the bells ding ding ask not for whom they toll i got nothing <laughs> I, I, I will say that we were talking before we started and and greta was whispering into the mic and justin our producer was like oh it's the first asmr game of thrones recap yeah, and i literally <laughs> literally spit my coffee <laughs> so we got a email with the subject line uh it was just all emojis and it was flame 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 <laughs> eye roll <laughs> and I kind of feel like we could have called this episode that instead yes. of the bells, and it would have summed things up just as effectively. I think. I'm not sure, but I'm going to surprise people by, by rising in defense of the episode. Oh, I know, really? I know. I know. I, and, and I feel like this, not only am I going back on things I've I said before, I think I've changed my mind about things, wow. which is not usual for me. I mean, I will say, I think I wasn't too mad about it. I think it helps to have low expectations. <laughs> That's Greta's tactic with this show at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, is, it's like if you take it at face value, it's all fine. Yes. Yeah, as opposed to me who is still spending the days in between episodes hanging out with people on the internet being like, there's still time for this fun conspiracy yeah, to come right, through right. or this yeah, prophecy to take. None of that's happening. None of that no. was ever going to happen. You know what's interesting, and this may be a good prelude to the whole conversation, I before we come in to do our recording on Monday, I read a lot of the recaps that are posted overnight. Steve Johnson in the Tribune, Alyssa Rosenberg in the Washington Post, uh, Glenn Weldon in at NPR, which I... Who, re- his has the best puns. Oh, he's hilarious. <laughs> he is. I, I, I so adore regret it so much. Not, not knowing about Glenn's recaps to this point. But it is true, thinking about our conversations, thinking about all those other conversations that are happening, the ones I know about and the ones I don't, these long ago ceased being TV episode recaps and became therapy sessions. <laughs> We're all working out our feelings. Yeah, and it's, absolutely. It, and, and we have lots. So lead the way. So yeah, that reminds me, before we get started, should we listen? We actually, Justin, our intrepid producer, made little montages. We have like pro this episode voicemails and con this episode voicemails. Let's listen to those and then we'll get into it. So I used to worry about Aria losing her moral center, but now I think I need to worry about me losing mine because... I loved the burning of King's Landing. Hey, Nerdette, this is Katie. And Kurt. Just calling to say we actually liked this episode. You see? It was about as good as it could have been. As a fan of the show, I thought thought it was a pretty good episode. It distracted me a lot from the fact that there was a lot of storylines that didn't get cleared up last night. And Clegane Bowl! Yay! All right, talk to you later. Bye. And then here are some of the con voicemails, anti-episode voicemails we got. Dear Nerdette... Why? Ugh. Let the therapy begin. No. No, 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 no. So I guess the writers were just sitting around 
asking, who should we have kill Cersei? Tyrion? Nah. Daenerys? Nah. Arya? Nah. Jamie, Nah. Oh, I know. Rocks. Yes, rocks. Why? 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 Let's have rocks kill one of the most hated villains in television history. Rocks. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty great. I wow. mean, but to be destroyed by the thing she thought was most likely to protect her, the yes. Red Keep itself. To be to be buried alive in the arms of her lover, that's that's Yeah, to be pretty, so pretty to, poetic, guys. And to be so unwilling to leave the seat of power that it itself is what destroyed her. I thought that was kind of poetic. I still wanted Jamie to kill her in a Kingslayer, Queenslayer, prophecy fulfilling way, but once it was clear that this episode was mostly about fire and falling brick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I we, figured that was about a, as appropriate a way to go for Cersei. I who, think prophecy, fulfilled prophecy is just too much to ask at yeah, this point. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> so how do you guys want to go through this? Should we start from the beginning? Why Let's not? just power through. We have to start before the beginning. We have to start in the in previously in Game of Thrones because oh, they did something. They've never done before. They've uh, never done before, which is that they changed something. You guys saw this if you watched it. The They showed the scene of was it the final scene of the last episode. With Daenerys. With Daenerys turning away after they've killed Missandei, after Cersei has executed Missandei. And we saw last week that she has this look in her face that, you know, indicates bad things to come. But they added to it with these, I guess, voiceovers is the appropriate phrase, lines from as far back as season one. He has the better claim to the throne. Every time a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin. The Mad King gave his enemies the justice he thought they deserved. Children are not their fathers. Be a dragon. You have a gentle heart. Targaryen, alone in the world. It's a terrible thing. You don't want to awake the dragon, do you? And why are they doing that? Why did they go back and change something that they didn't have last week? And the only possible answer is... They want us to buy her moment of decision when she decides to burn the place. And they probably – I have no idea. They probably at some point in post-production said to themselves, oh my god, I don't think people are going to buy it. We need to we need to really reinforce that this has been coming because otherwise people are going to get mad at us. And of course, people still got mad at them (laughs) and people got madder at them because it feel like we're being manipulated. Oh, you needed to remind us of all that shit? That means you haven't done your job, guys, have you? So, And I, I give that kind of point a little credence, that if they needed to go back and do that, to remind viewers sort of outside of the show as producers, hey, remember Daenerys has this background and she did all these things and she's been stymied and people have talked about how crazy Targaryens are. Remember that? Remember that, guys? Okay, now I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. Yeah, you're pleading too much. Well, it was also <laughs> interesting how little of this episode was from her point of view. You know, like once we got to the real Yeah, the point was about her madness, but then she was just the Air Force. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, and I watched it twice, after her decision to flame the place, when she leaps off, well, she and her dragon leaps off the thing and just starts burning everything up, you never see her again. Yeah, right. Well, you see her pause after killing the armies and the scorpions. Okay. The dragon lands somewhere in King's Landing. After that point. She stares at the Red Keep. The bells. And then the bells ring. The war is won. And then she goes. She, she, and shit. then, and then after that point, you Dragon never see shit. her again. All, Dragon shit. All the entire perspective. Yeah. 
of the camera from the viewer is from the people being killed. The ground, yeah. You, there's never a shot of her like looking over the de- devastation she's wrought. There's never a look on her face, either feeling just absolute glorious rage or regret or anything. You never see her. You probably, I'd have to go back and check, you probably see her little figure CGI'd yeah. onto the dragon, but you never see what she is thinking or doing as she continues to kill Thousands of people? At least. Yes. I suppose. Tens I'm grateful for that Washington Post article so we can find out exactly uh, a how shout many out, people. And, uh, I think it was after the battle uh, at Winterfell yep. um, that I said, oh, that poor person at the Washington <laughs> Post, you have to count all those people up. Well, they've subsequently found out the person's name is Shelley Tan. Oh, Shelley. She is uh, seemingly from her photograph, a young a digital editor. And her job is to sit with on a computer and go frame by frame so cool. through each episode. She did this. She's been doing this all night long. I'm talking on Monday morning. She's been up all night doing this and literally counting every individual who's killed. And if you think of some of those scenes, like the scenes we saw last night, oh God. there's like 40 people killed in a two-second shot. She's got to frame it, slow it down. Oof. One, two, and she puts them in a bunch of Can she use some sort of like census sampling technique where it's just like, like her household? So, yeah, exactly. We, we, we checked 10 people. They all died by fire. We're extrapolating. It was 2,000. No, she – and I'm like, Shelly Tan, I, I'm, I'm so glad that's not my job, but I appreciate your efforts. It's an interesting way to make a living. <laughs> it sure is. All right. So should we start with the night before? We've got Varys writing treasonous letters. Yes. Dear person. Dear whoever. Yeah. Um, Danny is so not the queen. Yes. The little bird, I believe we used to call mm-hmm, them, who comes mm-hmm. and reports to her, says she's not eating, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a piece of information that Varys then offers John, right, up on right. the beach. Yeah. And I wondered, why is that important? Were they, was Varys trying to poison her or am I getting down the same kind of conspiracy I theory rat holes? I yeah. think it was maybe just tr- him trying to keep close tabs on her mental state. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he was trying to... to poison her, but I did think it was interesting, actually. It's like, is she crazy or just hangry? <laughs> it was. I thought that was actually a really nice that moment. That whole though. thing could have been a Snickers ad. <laughs> She's burning. King's Landing, and all of a sudden somebody says, "Here, Daenerys." And she has a Snickers. Hangry. Crab she has Snickers. a Snickers. And then there's also a giant Snickers for Drogon. <laughs> they both need a Snickers if this I'm is going to work. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. I feel on. like Drogon needs more protein than you can find in a Snickers. Uh, I, Listen, I, there are peanuts in there. There's yeah. probably some protein in nougat. I don't really know I, what I believe, nougat I, is. I believe you can get the special, what is special kind of dragon Snickers now with sheep. <laughs> uh, mutton Snickers. Uh, <laughs> mutton Snickers. Where were we? Is Varys being pretty bad a manipulator behind the scenes? I mean, this is the guy who knew where everything was and had disguises and so on and so forth way back when in King's Landing. And now he's just writing letters. Oh, this is a thing you should know and sending out letters, which seems... He's got that candle at the ready so he can burn the letters if somebody's yeah. coming, yeah. though. Right. He also did the move of... Well, I'll put another piece of paper on top of this piece of paper <laughs> yes. before someone no comes in the room. See it. Um, so, all right, go I on. I do want to listen to what Vera says to John when they are on the beach. Aren't you worried for it? I'm worried for all of us. They say every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the world holds its breath. You're not much for riddles where I'm from. We both know what she's about to do. When Tyrion says to Daenerys and what is almost the next scene. Mm-hmm. Varys has betrayed you. Yep. Is that what he is referring to? Is he referring to the letters that Varys was sending out? Is he referring to some other actions that we don't know about? I read it as the letters that he is spreading as quickly as he can the information about John's parentage. Right. Well, and she wanted to blame John. Right. And I think Tyrion kind of deflected that. Yes. 
She, she I mean, uh, her. Uh, we, we need to have a long conversation about Daenerys' state of mind. Is this the place to have it? <laughs> sure. All right. One of the reasons I have changed my mind about some things is you guys know that I've been bitching for two seasons now about whinging. How, whinging. Please thank keep you. it to the yes, world yes, of the yes, show. Yes, whinging. I think they bitch too, but they whinge. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I've been whinging about how dumb the decisions, especially Tyrion and everybody else, have been making: separating forces, flying the dragons around, yeah, like, mean, all that stuff. I seem to recall last week saying Danny's on her way to being crazy, and you were like, "Oh no, no, no! She's just getting really bad advice." Right. And I realized something. I'm not the only person who's getting increasingly outraged at how stupid everybody's being and how dumb everything everybody's been and how unnecessary the losses have been. Danny has two. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, they haven't stressed it maybe enough, but they've had moments where Danny's like, I, I followed your advice and look what happened. I did what you told me and look what happened. And they also, I think they made a bunch of mistakes, sort of tactical mistakes as opposed to the strategic one. The tactical mistake was separating Missandei's death from this episode by a week, i.e. a week of our time. I guess. Because imagine if the same thing had happened up until the moment of of the bells ringing, the bells, and then at or around there, even right before the beginning of the episode, doesn't need to be even in that moment, that's when she saw Missandei. And then in a moment of like rage that people describe having – those kinds of breaks, it's part of their murder defense, right? right. Like, I lost my mind right. in that moment. I don't yeah. even remember what happened. Right. I just cut somebody up with an axe. But Wait, it, what is that called? Isn't there a name for that? Temporary insanity? Theory? I don't okay. know. As opposed to permanent insanity? The, the, the point being is she's had a tremendous amount of provocation to do what she did. She's been betrayed. Um, she's, she's had all of her closest friends and advisors killed. And the last one was killed again because she got terrible advice and was suge- – and somebody said, what you need to do is you need to go and, and treat with her, parlay with her. And she must – consciously, it's not like an emotional thing. She must think everything everybody has told me to do has led to death and destruction, my isolation. This guy who I thought I loved doesn't love me anymore. As she says, all right, let it be fear. She knows that she's got almost nothing left, and unless she does something bold, her entire life will have meant nothing. So from that perspective, if you sort of shift things around in your head and you're like you try to remember something that actually happened even though it wasn't stressed, it kind of makes sense what she did. I don't think so. I think her wanting to kill Cersei makes sense. Her burning the whole Red Keep to the ground makes sense. But if they had, they had could have done, again, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, that's what we're doing here. One small thing to build on what you just said that would have made it work for me mm-hmm. is if, to that point, if Miss Ende had in front of sort of a, a mob, not a mob, a crowd of King's Landing commoners. Yes. If Cersei had beheaded her there and that crowd had cheered. Yeah. If we had any reason to believe right. that Danny thought of the people of King's Landing as, as the masters from one right, of the right, cities right, of Essos right. as opposed to the slaves. Right. Because she always had this very clear dichotomy to work with before, masters and slaves. And there was a conversation about Thousands of children will die if the city burns. Your sister knows how to use her enemies' weaknesses against them. True. That's what she thinks our mercy is. Weakness. I beg you, my queen. She's wrong. Mercy is our strength. Our mercy towards future generations. He will never again be held hostage by a tyrant. I don't know. That to me sounds pretty irrational. 
Yeah. Like mercy yeah, is sorry. our strength. Irrational? Irrational. Irrational. She, yeah. She thinks, i.e., that I'm going to go kill everybody. Right. Like if mercy is your strength, then don't kill everybody. Yeah. But the, the argument is put to her quite explicitly and she rejects it. So clearly she is on the way. I mean, and, and we even had a tape that we just played even before that where Vera says, you know what she's going to do. Seems like all the characters know what she's going to do. Yeah. So they believe that she's been provoked to this. They believe that this is where her character is living. But it her. doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't in make the character rational sense. But Again, I've been doing this rewatch alongside watching week to week, and I just saw the episode where all it took, <laughs> where all it took was. You know, so they're, it's at the point where uh, a few seasons back, they're in Marine. She finds out that the Masters have regained control of one of the cities she just left. Right. And she goes, well, I'm going to send the second sons to kill all the Masters. And right. Jorah goes, that's a really bad idea. You can't, like, you can't always rule with violence. And, and these uh, slaves have known nothing but brutality. And so if you want them to know something else, you have to show it to them. It's this really good scene. And she goes, okay, go tell uh, Dario I changed my mind. Wait, no. Tell him you changed my mind. And it's this moment where – and it felt really interesting to see that scene next to this episode because it is maybe more of a reminder than we actually got as viewers in that moment of the fact that, oh, Jorah was always the one saying like, how about instead of mass murder, something else? Right. And Jorah's gone. How about something else? And And Jorah's gone. And even in that example – and it's funny because I've also been doing a rewatch and I just recently watched the scene in season four where she's conquered Marine. Uh, and her first decision is to crucify 163 of the masters to make up for the children they crucified. What a charming show we all love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and Arston, I called him Arston Whitebeard, which is what he's called in the books because I'm also reading the books because I have no other life. Um, Barristan Selmy <laughs> says, oh, Peter. I know, Barristan Selmy says to her, hey, don't do this. Sometimes the best response to injustice is mercy. She says the response to just injustice is justice. Yes, that was a very good Danny impression. And, that, and, she, <laughs> and she crucifies these people. Yeah, but and, also it's not justice. Like what perverted sense of justice is kill all the people who live in a city because they're queen. Right. Yes. And that's does the not thing. like you. What like she talks so much against tyranny and yet is right. She's ready to be the tyrant. And that's the part that I find really frustrating. Th- this is what I this is what I changed my mind about the, the biggest thing. Right. OK. Remember in the after the episode about uh, the long night, the big battle where Arya kills the Night King in Benioff and Weiss said, well, we've known for three years that Arya was going to be the person to do it. And we've been building up to that. And you can talk about, oh, yeah, there's that scene in the prior episode where she sneaks up on John the same way and the, and the, the, the knife trick that she does with Brienne. Yes, they've been setting that up. Let's assume they've known for just as long, if not longer, presumably when George R. R. Martin told them, we assume, that in the end, Danny is going to revert to her Targaryen That's nature. That's the part where it doesn't feel like they knew that. Well, I think they did. And I think if you go back and you look at all the things that I was upset about, all the stupid decisions, all the losses – all the separation from her friends. All the, why did they kill Jorah? Well, Jorah, Jorah needed to die in her service. But they also killed Jorah to take that voice that, Trisha, you just mentioned, away from her. They killed Missandei for the same reason. Not only to take that, that counselor away, but also to isolate her, anger her, may, fill her with grief and rage. And I, I don't know that they ultimately succeeded. And I think because of that voiceover thing in the preview, they are not sure they did either. Mm-hmm. But I can see now that they were trying to get us here the whole time. I just want to say I've been catching up on Killing Eve and it is excellent. 
That's what you've been doing <laughs> you instead of only it? thinking about yeah. Game of Thrones of for 24 of hours a day. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> good for you. I have problems with Killing Eve. We can discuss those if you want. But anyway, let's move no. on. Anyway. Um, okay. So in that same scene, we also find out that Jamie is in possession or that Jamie is what is the prisoner a of prisoner. Dan. She has been captured and imprisoned. And it seems that that is done from plot reasons so as to give Tyrion and Jamie that scene, which is an echo of not quite the last time they were with each other, but the scene, of course, where Jamie releases Tyrion and he goes and kills their father way back in the end of season four, I think. All right. Remember, ring the bells and open the gates. Your queen will execute you for this. If Daenerys can make it to the throne without wading through a river of blood, maybe she'll show mercy to the person who made that possible. Tens of thousands of innocent lives. One not particularly innocent dwarf. Seems like a fair trade. That was some beautiful Peter Dinklage yes. acting in that scene. The brothers' goodbye. Was... Yeah. Dinklage has been great of late. I should yeah. say that more. Um, and then their goodbye, which was so much their final moment. Yeah. It, was, it, it screamed that to us. They were never going to see each other again. And the showrunner sure knew it. I sure knew it. I don't know if they knew it. I also wonder about Tyrion's logic because his other thing was I will help you get Cersei an escape as a gift to his brother because he knows his brother loves his uh, loves his loves his wife, sister, sister wife. But that wouldn't have gone over well with Daenerys, would it? If no. Cersei had escaped after, you know, a less bloody coup. Yeah, attempt. but I think he's thinking at that point that he would be executed for that treason. Yeah. But the thousands of people in King's Landing yeah. were not, right? Uh, I also need to point out that I was very uh, I was very excited by the ambiguity of Jamie's final speech to Brienne in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, he could be going there to join her or he could be going there to kill her. You could play it either way. No, he was going to join her. Yeah, pretty All boring, along. I thought. He had never any thought of becoming the Queen Slayer. He hadn't turned his back on her. He What he said to Brienne was sincere. She and I are together. We are... Bond, I'm yeah. just as awful as she is. I'm going to go be with her. Yeah, the super, hateful Wonder Twins. Yep. Super well, disappointing redemption arc right there. Yeah. You think? Well, uh, I don't yeah. want to, Well, do we want to skip ahead to uh, – no, let's not. Let's, let's work through the episode. Yep. Let's work through the episode. So then we have the next day. Um, you kind of see where everyone is in King's Landing. Good old Harry Strickland. Yep. Ready for battle. Which did feel a little like Ocean's Eleven but without a plan. What do you which mean? stressed me out. Well, just because you see everybody sort of like trying to get in and Jamie doesn't make, quite make it past the door. You know, it's sort of like on the ground. Everybody's yeah. sort of like figuring out their places. Right. It did seem, it did strike me, and I don't know if this is what you meant by Ocean Eleven, that in the end, the clever scheme for finally ending this war, toppling Cersei, taking King's Landing, basically was the dragon attacks. But yeah. this time from behind. That's yeah. basically it. Yeah. And it was very easy. It was – it wouldn't have seemed so problematic if they hadn't made it so easy to kill a dragon just the epi- yeah. two yeah. episodes before. Yeah, why episode did, and, before. And, I mean, and I was about to ask, well, why did that dragon need to die? Why did they need to show that – I mean – And the why. answer is to make Danny matter. Well, and also so that they – I mean they could have, again, if they wanted to, keep that dragon alive, still have the same sort of thing going on. But then suddenly you have the interesting thing that could happen, which is – now Danny is on a dragon. John is also on a dragon. Yeah. John has to decide what John to do about Danny on her dragon. Yes. Yeah. That would have been fascinating as opposed to him just like tromping around through the streets, killing Lannister right. soldiers and saving well, women from being raped, that, which is great for John to do, but 
if he'd had a dragon, we would have had a very interesting story as opposed fight. to well, a boring burn down of the city. Clearly that uh, – that, uh, <laughs> I think it's time to come to quote my wife. I should say my wife is not a huge fan of Game of Thrones. She, watched, she watches about half of every episode before she falls asleep. <laughs> Uh, but she watched the whole thing. She says, I really enjoyed the episode. It was fun. Lots of stuff happened. But at the moment <laughs> where John is watching Danny as she starts to incinerate the city and he's looking up with horror and dismay, my wife said, oh, I think they're going to have to break up now. <laughs> <laughs> so were you guys surprised to see more D- Dothraki? Yeah, it's unclear how many Dothraki are left. Like six or seven. <laughs> yeah. There's a few Dothraki. We yeah. don't know. They were doing their usual Dothraki thing of sacking the city. They showed up later. But yeah, I didn't know they had any left. Yeah, Although if you think I was about surprised it, by that. They, I mean, when they all charged off to, to, to attack the dead and then a bunch of them came running back. So presumably some survived. That's true. OK. Fair enough. Yeah, but no, the the scorpions that were on every ship and on every wall yeah. were just all burned down and no one got a clean shot off. No one got a clean shot. It's oh, like yeah, they, they the have, whole time. No, they have one clean shot. Euron had one clean shot missed and that was it. That, that was reminds it. me of a Whereas great... it took only one the first time yeah. to take down a dragon. Also, speaking of Euron, how many times oh, have my characters Dude. been thrown off of a blowing up ship? And, and, and wash up in a very convenient yeah, place. Like, it happened to Davos a bunch of seasons ago. Well, it just it happened just to Euron. Happened them, and uh, last episode, it happened to everybody. Yep. Yeah. They all, something, the oh, yes. It, you, you never have to worry about falling off ships, people, because you will inevitably float safely to land. That is the lesson of Games of, Game of Thrones. Somebody left us a great voicemail about why all the soldiers were suddenly replaced by stupid stormtroopers. Who this you know by the scorpion because all of a sudden they like couldn't do it anymore and right. they used to be able to I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> it would have made sense if we hadn't seen the one shot one yep. and done last time. Yeah, for for a dragon to beat you know a bunch of crossbows hypothetically, but yeah, and I guess it, it was meant to just give us like a little more narrative tension of Cersei being like we just need one good shot and then Kyburn being like <laughs> the bear of, the bear of bad news and more bad news. And my grace, I have a bit more bad news. Yeah, we actually have that. All we need is one good shot. The scorpions have all been destroyed, your grace. The Iron Fleet hold Blackwater Bay. Euron killed one of her dragons. He can kill another. Your grace, the Iron Fleet is burning. The gates have been breached. The, The Golden Company... Our men will fight harder than sellswords ever could. They will defend their queen to the last man. Yes, Your Grace. The Red Keep has never fallen. It won't fall today. It's safest in the crypts. <laughs> I just love the ominous music after oh, her. the cellos. Also. Where would we be without cellos? Also, your cat has died. <laughs> Sir Pounce is dead. <laughs> Sir Pounce is dead. <laughs> Whatever happened to Sir Pounce? Anyway. That's who's sitting on the Iron Throne. He's going to take the throne next episode. It's going to be great. I'm totally lost as to where we are in this episode. So right after this is when the Lannister army meets up with John and Grey Worm and all those guys. So at this point, Cersei's locked up in the crypt or in the Red Keep and not the crypt. And they're all met and the battle is won and the lead Lannister soldier throws down his sword and at this point, clank, Danny clank. has only killed sort of military assets. Right. It's been totally fine. The battle is won. Bad guys have surrendered. Cersei surrounded. Pause. Ding dong. Ding They're dong. They're yelling about the bells. Did you? And yeah, there's, yeah, bell there's drama. so much. Did you watch it in closed so caption? Because there were at least eight times. The bells. Ring the bells. Ring the bells. Ring the bells. Did you guys? Tell her about the bells. At that moment, think, oh my God, 
it's over. They just won. No. And now they're going to march up and they're going to have one of those scenes where they confront Cersei and have a conversation and do something with her or something. There's going to be a sword fight maybe. Yeah, no, man. No, you, you, I thought that would have been much more interesting. I thought it would have been more interesting, but again, with the low expectation. You well, were like, they're going to mess this up. I was like, oh, yeah, Danny's going to burn everything. Right. Yeah. Benny Off and Weiss. You, you saw that. You were like, cause, like because Varys saw carnage. it. A lot of people saw it. Tyrion was certainly afraid of it. And you believe that's what she was going to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. They had definitely. I held out hope until that, that last second. Yeah. That it was going to be more interesting. And again, we come to a weird moment where normally we would expect there to be something to immediately trigger her. Like, for example. Miss Sunday getting her head cut off in exactly, that moment. Exactly. And the crowd cheering. I'm and they decided saying, not to go not that way. They right, decided folks. not to go that way. Uh, in the, after the episode, inside the episode featurette, uh, Benioff and Weiss talk about how she looks at the Red Keep. And they say she's thinking about that was her family's. Huh. It was taken from her. And she thinks because of that of all the terrible things that were done to her specifically. Because remember, she spent her youth being chased around uh, Essos and tormented by her brother. All the stuff that happened to her and the people she loves because of the people who took that from her family. And at that point, they say that's when she decides to hell with them all. And she flicks her bick. That feels a lot like <laughs> cutting off her nose to spite her face. Well, yes. You know? Although I don't recommend that. She has a lovely nose. But isn't that what people do? Isn't certainly that what Game of Thrones characters do? There's a lot of people who we otherwise admire. I mean, like, let's well, take— Well, yeah, I guess that's why I wasn't surprised. Yeah, let's, let's take <laughs> Tyrion, for example. Everybody loves Tyrion. Our only complaints about Tyrion is he hasn't been as charming and lovely and wonderful and smart as he used to be. Tyrion killed his effing father. Tyrion murdered his father. He killed out of, an asshole. Yeah, I know. Though, I mean, it's not like his dad was a good guy. He also strangled Shay, his love of his life, and yeah. and murdered his father. Okay. And so we are used to, or we should be, characters we like doing very dark things out of emotional reasons. And this is just that writ much, 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 much larger. Yeah. It's in some ways the argument for the kind of gun control that says like, Sure, people can go crazy and kill their family with a hatchet, but they can't mow down 500 people in six seconds if they yes. don't have an automatic it's, weapon. It's, it's, a dragon it's, is like the ultimate automatic yeah, it's, weapon. It's, it's one thing if you have a crossbow, another if you have a large dragon. That's absolutely true. But it's the same sort of thing. And again, I'm beginning to appreciate how much work the show put into getting her to that point. Stuff I, that I, I just didn't want to see it because I, like so many people, like Elizabeth Warren, who came out in favor of... Of uh, Daenerys uh, <laughs> gaining the throne, and I'm sure we'll get dragged by Fox News because of last night's episode. Um, we're all rooting for Daenerys. We all love Daenerys. We all have seen Daenerys go from this abused 17-year-old girl to this incredibly powerful leader, and we didn't want her to do that. But that didn't mean our f- emotional desire for her doesn't mean that she's not going to do it. I still think that there could have been a more nuanced approach to making me interested in the next episode. Because what this did was make me uninterested in the finale. Because now there is no way that any character with any moral compass can support her. Right. None. None left out of it. But if she had just destroyed the Red Keep and the thousands of civilians who had been packed in there as human hostages, basically, by Cersei, even though they didn't realize it, then we still would have had some... Ambiguity. We would have right. said, like, well, she needed to kill Cersei, but did she need to kill 5,000 innocent people who were inside the walls of the castle there? 
uh, well, you know, then you're sort of in the like, should you have used the bomb to end World War II territory where you can yeah. actually make an argument one way or another that you saved more lives than you didn't right. or whatever. This is just unequivocal madness. Right. Unequivocal well, I, madness, I, I, like unequivocal evil, the Night King, is uninteresting. And I think that's kind of gets back to what you were saying about Tyrion, right? Is like there's still ambiguity around a lot of these characters. And right. that's what makes it such an interesting show. Right. Uh, Once that's gone, what's the point? But on the other hand, Trisha, if she had done the sensible thing uh, and and just, you know, done what was military necessary and then accept Cersei's surrender in however brutal a manner she might have done it, then we'd be looking at next week's episode wondering, oh, gee, I wonder if there's going to be some tension, what's going to happen. Now we know as we go into the last episode, as you just said, there's no way that Danny can ever be, what's the word, forgiven accepted because of her actions by certainly by John or Tyrion, who are among the few survivors. What's Arya going to do? Because that whole sequence in which we saw Arya being almost killed five times, trying and failing, we'll get to that, trying and failing to rescue that mother and daughter. Cut cut to black. She's she's not going to walk away from that and going, well, that was fun. Huh. Anyway, she's mad. So as we go into the last episode, the stakes have been raised Raisin. The stakes have been have been raised like grapes. Exactly. By fire. The stakes have been raised <laughs> considerably. And I just don't know from, though, because now it's just another big bad. You think? Kinda. Yeah. It's like who kills Danny? Yeah. Like I mean, somebody's got to kill Danny. I like guess Cersei's down now. I, I but guess we've got Danny. I guess I'm not. I'm, I'm not there. And I know a lot of people are. Yeah. I know a lot of people like you guys are like, well, geez, we had Danny. We've invested so much time and 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 emotional investment. In this character, we've loved her. We've rooted for her. We've gotten frustrated when she didn't take action. We've followed her struggles. And now she's just a crazy person. I don't care about her anymore. Really? I guess I never really liked her anyway, so I'm not really? too <laughs> devastated. Yeah. Really? Because yeah. I remember we had conversations about like season six where she was like hanging around a Marine. And we're like, Danny, do something. Don't just be a doormat. Yeah, she Get up and do something. <laughs> well, now she's done something, hasn't yeah. she? Nobody cares, but it never really stops him. His feet are still fucking talking. Okay, so from there we You're gonna go miss to... That. You're going to miss being able to do that. <laughs> we are. From there we go to Euron and Jamie fighting. Yes. Uh, which So we find out Euron didn't die magically. <laughs> and I don't know. I feel like from that scene we should just give Euron the craziest fuck award. What do you guys think? You think he's the craziest? You think the he's really? pretty fucking crazy. He's pretty nuts. Like, he's insane. Yeah. He does have that real crazy smile at the end. Yeah. Yes. I'm the I one who killed like, Jamie Lannister. dying, and he's like, this is great. Wow. <laughs> I'm living my best life. You're he is, on. He is, yeah. He is definitely among the craziest. It's, um, it seems his showing up there at that moment was a little convenient. Yeah. It sure was. Also, how did Jamie get from there Oh, I, up? I, I did, did not figure have... that out. I had to watch it again. So what happens is Jamie is trying to get into the uh, castle. After waving his golden hand. It's me. Work. It's me. The guy with the golden <laughs> hand. And then nobody notices him. <laughs> And they won't let him in. And so what does he do? Well, Tyrion told him that if you... He goes around to the boat. Right. He goes around to the boat. He said, if you climb, 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 climb down, you can get to the boat. So he goes around to the boat and presumably then climb, 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 Having been stabbed in both kidneys, as Glenn Weldon said in his recap, looking awfully spry for someone who's been stabbed in both kidneys. Yes, I know. Well, who needs a kidney, really, ultimately? So he climbs, 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 climbs up. And that's when he finds, of course, Cersei for their final scene. Okay, well, let's go to Arya and the Hound in the map room because that happens first. A lot of lot of bricks falling in the map room. A lot of special moments in the map room. And we actually have this clip. And you'll be dead too if you don't get out of here. I'm going to kill her. You think you wanted revenge a long time? I've been after it all my life. 
It's all I care about. And look at me. Look at me! You want to be like me? You come with me. You die here. Sandal. Thank you. Couple things. Is that the first time that he has ever touched her in an affectionate way, when he reaches his hand and he puts it behind her neck? And secondly, is that the first time she's ever called him Sandor? I think so. I believe so. And I thought that that was beautifully acted by both uh, Maisie Williams and Rory, Rory McGann. McGann. Yeah. Who I found out recently was not like a professional actor when they cast him. Huh. That he had like never done anything like this before. Hmm. I was reading an interview with the director. And it, they were like, he was not an actor. We had to help him. But he did great. It was, I think, a beautiful goodbye for those two characters who we love yeah. separately. And we love their relationship very, very much. Yeah. As I believe Glenn Weldon also said, like, he could have told her that, you know, 50 yards, yards back, 500 yeah. yards back. Yeah. But, that's, uh, although... Also, like, how many times has she said she doesn't fear death? Right. Like, I was a little, like, for some reason, that moment is when she's like, okay, you're right. I'm not going to, I'm going to get out of here. Well, a a lot of people, uh, Glenn, many other people said, yeah, exactly that. All of a sudden, this this avenging angel who for the last four years has done nothing but seek out her enemies and kill them, all of a sudden was like, okay, I won't. Uh, But it's, it's, it pivots on one thing is that her affection for and relationship for the hound or Sandor, she finally calls him because he's right. You don't want to be like me. You know who I am. Yeah. And that affection offered her, which she hasn't gotten a lot of in this poor life she's had to leave, I think means a lot to her. Also, there is the changed physical circumstances. The last time they had a conversation about this, uh, King's Landing was not on fire. Yeah. Right. The, and the building the is building literally falling, falling down, down around, around them. I like to think that she's going to become a Buddhist now. Really? Yeah. There's, just, just, is there Buddhism in Westeros? <laughs> sure. Well, there okay. kind of was. Remember that uh, that church that uh, that uh, the Hound briefly joined before they all got oh, killed? Yeah. They, were, they were vaguely pacifist yeah, Buddhists. Yeah, I think she's going to become a pacifist. I don't think so. I think she's going to kill Danny. <laughs> all right. Then... <laughs> well, now are, are, we at, are we at the Clegane Bowl? I mean, let's run up the stairs to that kind of hilarious interaction then. Let's take a break first. Okay. We'll go to Clegane Bowl in just a minute. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. So we have a couple of pretty charming voicemail predictions. First, I want to take a minute just to tell people that we still have this awesome tote bag available. We do. On the interwebs. Yeah. You can see a picture of it and actually like get it on our Instagram if you yeah. search for Nerd App Podcast. Our goal for our little fundraiser is uh, to hear from 500 people. I think we've got like about a week left. We're just over halfway there so we can do it, but only when you make it happen. So get an awesome tote bag. 
And let's remind people that the tote bag that they get is also just a way to make a donation to the nonprofit that helps us make this show, that supports the show, Chicago Public Media, which is WBEZ in Chicago. It's the public radio news source here, the NPR station. But it also lets us do this. It lets us bring you yes. a right. cathartic, hopefully, yes. conversation <laughs> once a week about Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh, and that's something that we love doing and that if you're listening this far into the episode, you haven't given up on us yet. If you are glad that we exist, uh, you know, kick in a few dollars for for this tote bag, which is a fun tote. Yes. And, and then also support nonprofit uh, news and also nonprofit recapping. Yes. And it's like fe- a win, win, win. If you're feeling overwhelmed and sad because of Game of Thrones, you can take the tote bag and put your feelings yes. in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Put all your feelings. It'll fit a lot of feelings. It, it and by that, we mean feelings. Yes. A great many feelings. Clegane Ball. Clegane Ball. Were you guys satisfied? I was never one of those people who were like, Clegane Ball, Clegane Ball. I was, looking for, I was not looking forward to it. So my lack of real satisfaction with it is not indicative, I think, of how successful it was as the Clegane Ball. What did you think? Somebody on Twitter called it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, and that's yes. how I felt about it. It was a little weird that it had no stakes at all because they were both going to die. Yeah. I had always thought that it would manifest as each of them offering to be the champion for someone in a trial by combat. That I thought that they might capture Cersei, she would put the mountain up, and then we would be like, oh, who's going to go up against the mountain? And then Sandor would be like, yes. what's up, bro? In other words, something with yeah. something at stake. Yeah. It, it was also the yeah, other... Yeah, no stakes. The other, also, he's a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which it makes him harder to kill him, obviously. But... <laughs> I did love the, just die already. Why yes. won't you die? Why won't you die? Uh, which is something, weirdly enough, that Sean Bean says to James Bond in a movie a long time ago oh, called, okay. I think it was Goldeneye. Anyway, um, remember <laughs> Sean Bean? Uh-huh. And, uh, but the problem was is that he's a zombie. Uh, and so what's the point? I mean, where's the emotional satisfaction, even in this bizarre context where you get emotional satisfaction from killing people, of killing a zombie? It's unclear Although I think they tried to show well, you I mean, with the shots of his eyes that inside there he still was the mountain and he still was this insanely evil guy who yeah. hated his well, brother. Yeah, and when it's your asshole zombie brother, yeah, yeah. See like oh yeah, you've always looked like this on the inside and now you look like this on the outside. Yeah. Right, that there's line. that line. I will say my favorite part about that scene was Cersei like skulking past him, skulking Cersei. It was a very Woody Allen moment. I'll just, excuse me, I'll just go down the stairs. Yeah, I thought that was pretty hilarious. And Kyburn just getting the unceremonious. Thump. Yeah, that <laughs> was rocks. it for Kyber. Yeah, I did. You, I mean, That's obviously, fine. there's some irony there because uh, the the current he built. Yeah, he built. Mountain. You know, the mountain. You know, he's the mountain is his creation. So him getting casually killed was, I guess, ironic. But we've loved Kyburn. We've had enough of him. Really? You're not sad to see him go? Oh, not even a little. Really? I, kind, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of liked him. He really skeezed me out. Oh, yeah, that was his point, but he did it in such a charming <laughs> he did way. Do it in a... And he, it was always those incredibly moments of, of low humor, like him picking up the, 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 the white's arm back in the last <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, going, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, but goodbye, Kyber. You Kyburn. want to hear the, the what was it, like yeah, so we, we don't want to hear the, the screaming. sounds of children screaming. It, it is a terrible it is, sound. It is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'll miss him. Anyway. I mean, it felt like a uh, epic sort of action movie battle. It felt like the final battle in like a Star Wars or Star Trek movie to have like apocalypse happening all around them. Um, and then it was like, all right, these guys want to direct a Star Wars film, and they're mm-hmm. practicing on Clegane. And they even talked about that again in the episode. We wanted to make it big. One of the stairway to nowhere, with the dragon above them and the flames around them. And yeah, it was exactly yeah. that. It was the big setting for this dramatic thing. But there weren't a lot of stakes because again, they were both going to die. Right. And and there wasn't even. I mean, a lot of people have commented on the fact that there's both irony in the fact that Clegane, excuse me, Sandor. They're both Clegane's. Sandor who was terrified of fire, died in fire, and that since the original 
beef <laughs> was uh, the mountain uh, Gregor burning him in fire to, to kill his, his now dead brother. To send his brother into the flames. Yeah, but yeah. both sort of ironic. But again, I... It just seemed like, yeah, they were all they were going to die any second anyway when the tower fell. So does it really matter that he, Sandor, did that, knock them both off the window to kill them both? I mean, it means that Sandor died happy having done what he wanted. Yeah. So that's nice, I guess. Was there a moment there? I mean, yeah. there, there was that moment of his face right before he did it. And it almost seemed they wanted you to know, yeah, he's happy. This is what he wanted. He's all right with it. And go. Did yeah. you buy it? Yeah. I mean, I, I mostly bought it. I agree that it would have been more interesting had there been stakes yeah. for someone else. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, did that storyline actually need to exist? What, the whole hound and his brother yeah. storyline? I mean, I think it made one of our favorite, certainly, like, not thrown, uh, you know, applicable characters, yeah. but one of our favorite secondary characters get their moment of redemption. Yeah. And again, like, this, the, the thing that's interesting about all these characters to me, and plenty of other sm- people smarter than me have said this more eloquently, but the thing that makes these people interesting is how much we know about their past. I think, Peter, yeah, you were right. saying this on Twitter yes, just yesterday. Yes, I had, I had this huge thing, um, which I was trying to put on Twitter so I could spare you guys. But oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I, but I, but I, it I is true, right? Like, the backstory of these characters, yeah. and it's one of the first things that we learn about the Hound uh, when they're there that's at the, yeah. the, the sort of joust, and it's like the lean over and whisper of, like, the reason this guy is crazy yeah. Yeah. is because his right. brother hurt him. Okay. And that makes the rest of what he does the whole rest of the time kind of more interesting and make more sense. All right. To, Fair to, enough. I'm to, convinced. To briefly recapitulate what I said on Twitter is one of the things that I think makes – and this came as a revelation. Maybe it wasn't – it shouldn't have been. But one of the things that makes the characters in Game of Thrones seem so real to us both on the page and on the screen is how much past they have and how aware they are of their past and how much their past drives them all the time. As opposed to the kind of blank slate hero's journey we see, like when you meet Harry Potter, he's just like a 12-year-old boy, doesn't know anything. And then he becomes, he goes through all his experiences and he becomes a wizard. That's a more typical story. In Game of Thrones, people are who they are when we meet them. And they're walking around very conscious of everything they've been through. Even Daenerys, when we meet her, she's 17, 13 in the books. And she's aware of everything she's been to, been through. And that's what makes it interesting. But now we're seeing all these stories come to an end. And I guess we're disagreeing on how satisfying it is. Well, and I mean, there are things about it that I appreciate in, in that respect, because I've always thought of these stories. The core for me, the heart of it for me is uh, people trying to either become or not become their fathers. Right. That's a huge thing right? in this And so, story. The, you know, in some ways, the, the, the heart of the show is watching the Stark children grow up, each of them in their own way, each of them going through very different battles. They're separated from pretty much the beginning of the show. Right. But we're thinking of them still as a family. Right. Um, and they're each learning the ways in which, you know, they want to be Ned Stark, who was sort of this, like heroic figure yeah. in their eyes who they don't have a very nuanced view of. Yeah. But then that gets complicated as they realize never being able to lie sometimes means you do stupid things or, you know, sometimes, you know, being, uh, you know, vengeful isn't a good thing. Like whatever the thing is that they're having to learn, it's learning to either adhere to or, you know, think about more, in a more nuanced way the lessons of their father. Right. Yeah. And Danny's doing the same thing. Yeah. It's, right? it's, it's funny. Even the characters who didn't have all that personal history, the children, when we meet them, they still have the legacy of their parents. That's where they're dealing with. Right. So, and, yeah. and Tywin Lannister's whole thing is about family and legacy and <laughs> – our, you know, everything we do needs to be for that, right. for the next generation, for the next generation. And it's just people's different take on that, that the most redemptive arc of last night, in some ways to me, was Arya not just getting out of the city, 
but a switch flipping in her where she became more Ned Stark than she's been in quite some time, and she's trying to save other people. Right. She's trying to save these other women and children. She's finding a sense of human connection with other people. We haven't seen her do that even really with her own family. This is true. This in is a true. very long time. So now she's back running through the same streets she was escaping right after they cut off Ned's head. Yeah. And she's trying to save these people who she has no love for. Right. In, in any other circumstance. And so I think, you know, again, Maisie Williams is, I think, one of the finest actors on that show and has the most interesting story arc. I'm not sure I buy all of it because, yeah. again, with the, the torture she went through, why isn't she as crazy as Danny? Right. But uh, of the two, if you had asked me who was going to, you know, sort of be merciful in that episode, I would have thought it would be Danny switching to a point of mercy and not mm-hmm. Arya. But we got Arya instead. So Team Arya. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody who named their children... Daenerys or Khaleesi in the last few years is probably wishing they hadn't done that. Right. Because <laughs> she just committed yes, a war crime she did. and a genocide. And it was really uncomfortable to watch genocide for like 45 minutes. It was not enjoyable television. Yeah, it was genocide too. Yeah, yeah it pretty much was. All right, let's listen to a clip of Jamie and Cersei and then let's talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to die. Look at me. Look at me. No one like this. No one like this. No one like this. Look, look, look me in the eye. Don't look away. Don't look. Look at me. Just look at me. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Only us. Bricks, bricks, bricks. That was rather powerful hearing that. I wonder if any of our listeners right now are feeling what I'm feeling, which is that in a weird way that was more affecting and terrifying and sad than it was watching it. And I huh. don't know why. Just, I mean, first of all, you know, Lena Headey doing a very, very good job as she exits yeah. this show, as she always has. But, uh, I mean, there was something, t- you know, it's not like, oh, Cersei, now she's scared. It's like that was a human being who was about to die. And she was terrified and and. God knows what it would be like. And the person who loves her best in this world doing his best to take his last moment and comfort her. It was quite moving. I kind of thought maybe he was going to die in her arms, which would have been an interesting twist given his kidney injuries and everything. Yeah. Well, he was – I mean I think the whole point of Euron saying what he said, I'm the guy – his last lines, I'm the guy who killed Jamie Lannister is so that you know that Jamie is going to die. And, and what he then chooses to do, knowing that he has a few moments, however long to live, is is relevant. So there we are. We just saw the exit of the greatest villain of the show, one of the greatest sort of ambiguous characters, somebody who's been with us from the very first moment of the very first episode, well, second moment. What would you guys think? As a fan, I wanted some sort of... Uh sort of vengeance to be played out, right? You wanted Arya to kill... Justice, yeah. Yeah, I wanted I wanted somebody to kill Cersei who got to sort of, like, enjoy watching Cersei die. Yeah. And it, which makes me worry about myself. And again, why do we watch this television show? Yes. It's very strange and makes us think dark thoughts. Yes. Um, <laughs> but then the thing I think I mentioned early on felt that felt right about it was their obsession with the seat of power right. being the thing that undid them. And, I mean, well, Jamie's love of Cersei is what killed him, and Cersei's love of power is what killed her. Right. Um, and that felt right. So um, upon reflection, I actually like the way that ended a lot more than I thought I was going to because I was so into the, what if Arya steals Jamie's face and then kills him? And then, yeah, yeah. But you know what? That worked. Well, there was a line that I didn't think we have in that excerpt in which she's, I think they're still up in the map room before they start to try to escape where she says, I don't want my baby to die, I want my baby to live, or something like that, right? And, yeah. and that indicated to me that all the th- times that Tyrion was saying, 
you can reason with her because she has a future she wants to believe in and she loves her children and she can be bent because of that love were true. It was true of her all along. He did, she didn't act the way that you, she should have acted if she wanted to protect her future but kid. But he was right. But he was right about that. And so it's odd. I mean, I think that she got – I mean, yes, her, her, her send-off was not satisfying in the bad guys get killed, good guys kill them model that all of us bring to popular entertainment. But it was kind of moving and human in a god damn me for saying this realistic way. It's sad when people and, die well, and they, and and they think, know they're about to die. I think too like that inherent irrationality of her like continuing to think that she can – that she'll be OK until yeah. almost the very end. Well, that's, that's – You know, and not leaving and not trying to figure – you know, it's just like that's also just digging of, her heels in more and more and that's more. That's kind of realistic. Right. I mean we've right. all seen yeah. – you know, like we've all seen Hitler in the bunker. Yeah. Well, well, gosh, whew. we're we're all, we're all just sitting here, just staring at her. This is a this was not it a, was a lot. cheerful, not a lot of laughs in this. No, no, no. So I feel like there's one more scene we should discuss before the end of this episode, which is Arya coming <laughs> across the horse. Right. Well, let, the Arya's. I, I do want to give them credit before we move on to that of the role of the mother and daughter who are throughout oh, the yeah. episode. Yeah. If you've seen them at the end, yeah. you go back to the beginning and say, oh, you, you yep. see them coming up to the gates. Uh-huh. So they're sort of like the stand-ins for the small folk. For the use, realm. For the, for, for the peasants, for the yeah. innocents. And they they show up, I think, three times mm-hmm. before Arya tries to save them. Also, well, Arya. they save Arya, and then Arya, Arya tries to save them, right? Because so, Arya's getting trampled, right. and that mother says, "Give me your hand, give right. me your hand." And then the the and so she tries to save him. I wonder about Arya's smarts. We have to keep moving. We have to get yeah, out. I of don't here. know if that's better. Yeah, than... I don't know. She brought him out into the street, and down here come the Dothraki doing their happy Dothraki yeah, sacking. I don't know though. You know, Staying still didn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, there were no good either. options, basically. Yeah. At I that could point. see how running might yeah. feel at least better and, and, than hiding. Uh, and, and just to break it down, she, she, the mother gets wounded. She's trying to get them off the street. She realizes the mother is too wounded to move. She's like, all right, I'll save the daughter. She grabs the daughter. She tries to drag the daughter. Is the dragon the coming? Won't go. Daughter won't go, runs back to her mom. Arya leaps out of the way just in time to escape the dragon fire. And at the end of the episode, right before she rides away, she sees them burnt together in an embrace. There's even that sad that she's holding the toy horse, which is like reminiscent of poor Shireen. And it, it, I, there's a lot of things to ask, but I wonder how important it is that it was not just a random person or a guy or even a random woman, but a mother and daughter. Yeah. Especially considering Arya's lack, you know, how she lost her mother so many years ago. And that the episode was called Mothers. It was actually called The Bells. I thought it was oh, going to be called Mothers. Oh, it was going to be called Mothers. But it, it was? was? What is that? Did I don't know. Somebody on Twitter said it was going to be called oh. The Mothers, so I just assumed it was Mother's was Day. True. Yeah. It was Mother's Day. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, oh. The other thing that really fucked me up right at the end was the the ash that looked like snow. Yes. And a, a one very smart person, uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Glenn Weldon, who also pointed out that the horse was probably Harry Strickland's horse. From the very, oh, the very first interesting. Scenes. Somebody pointed out that if you go back way back when to season two and Daenerys's vision in the House of the Undying, you may remember that she she is wandering through in that vision the the the, the roofless throne room. Yep. And it looks like snow is falling. But it is. And as ash. he points out, it's not snow; it's ash. And yeah. so, and and we also there was that. Uh, speaking of visions, Bran had a vision many seasons the ago over the, of the dragon yeah. over over King's Landing. And so yeah. it does seem, again, to go back to something I mentioned earlier, that all of this has been plotted out. We were we were heading here the whole time. And as much as I've criticized the showrunners for doing dumb things to get us here, 
this is where they were headed the whole time. I think, toward this decision of Danny, toward the burning of Ken's Landing, and toward, as Tricia pointed out, a very difficult confrontation coming up because there's no way they can make peace with each other at this point in the final episode. Okay, let's listen to a voicemail. I'd like to predict that next week a Lannister, reluctantly and out of a sense of sad duty, will kill a Targaryen monarch, and that a Baratheon will assume the Iron Throne with the aid of the Starks, who in turn will be given control of the North, and that this will be known as the Westeros reboot. What do y'all think? I think, I mean, it's quite possible, but the problem is there are so few pieces left on our board and no time to do any of the big reveals. Well, it turns out that Bran was the Night King or Bran was... There's no time for any of that. So there's very few options. That's one of them. Tyrion kills Danny. Another option is Jon kills Danny because he'll do the noble and right thing to save the realm. Uh, Danny th- kills herself. Danny kills herself. Mm-hmm. Arya kills uh, Danny. Uh, Sansa. I have no. I mean, there's just very few options, and like you know, the the, the mathematical possibilities are more limited than they used to be. So that could be a good one. I kind of want Arya to not kill anybody anymore. I feel like that would be the most interesting way for that arc and her interaction with the Hound I, and and her witnessing all that carnage on the way out of there. That had never occurred to me, and all of a sudden I agree with you. That would be great because we've talked about how Arya has, for all her badass charm, is a psychopath. And it would yeah. be great if she could walk away from that role. Maybe that's mo- that, maybe that was the moment with Sandor, as she called him, that t- turned her yeah, from that's... her psychopathology and her uh, um, emotionless, you know, like, I'd, I'll just slash people's throats. I don't care anymore. I think that would be compelling. Yeah, I think her as Sansa's enforcer is something that I'd been hoping for as a potential end, whether it's as yes, rulers of the North or everything, that Sansa can see. You know, Sansa can be seated on a throne of some kind and she's going to be a good leader in that she's going to do the math about how much grain they need to survive the winter. Right. And then she does need a body man and that can be her little sister who's like, yeah, no, don't mess with her. What do you think? How how would you guys feel if uh, the next episode was just Arya waking up in Kansas? (laughs) <laughs> and like all the actors who yeah, played and all the characters and you were there and you were there and the guy who plays Bronn speaking of Bronn where's Bronn and then Nymeria yeah. is like Toto but like in a basket of a bike but it's like <laughs> a really big yeah, bike yeah it's a big ass yeah. bike it's like Hodor's motorcycle or Hagrid's, Hagrid's motorcycle. motorcycle there were characters there, there were characters who were, haven't talked about because they weren't in this episode they include Brienne what is she going to do and to whom Yep. There's Bronn, who I expected would show up in this episode because presumably Bran. he was back in um, King's Landing. There's Bran, although if he's your not name starts with what a are B? all the BR, what are all the BR characters? And is Sam going to come back? Because we talked about, did he mm. say his farewell or not? I don't think uh, Tormund is, but is Sam coming back? Is there anybody out there left who? Uh, who, I mean, let's see, Varys is dead, Littlefinger's dead. Yeah, pretty much they're all dead. Do you think Arya can make it back to Winterfell in time for dinner? I mean, she takes the express. Yeah, she right? takes the express. Yeah, it seemed like a fast horse. Yeah, yeah. It would have been cool if, like, in just like at the end of uh, of Back to the Future, the horse's legs folded up and the rockets came out and she flew <laughs> off to Winterfell. <laughs> Let's listen to one more voicemail. I'm starting to think Tyrion is going to end up on the throne, if there is a throne, which I hope there isn't. Uh, namely, I feel like Danny is going to try to execute Jon Snow for treason, and maybe even Sansa. It's going to go poorly. Danny's going to die. John's going to be all broken up or dead. Sansa might also be dead. And Tyrion's just going to be the last one standing, which I think is a little poetic, yep. considering 
<clears throat> the tagline has always been, uh, you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. And I don't think Tyrion has ever considered himself a contender. And although he's played a lot of games, he's never played the Game of Thrones, in my opinion. And also, I think it would be really cool if in the inside the episode, at the end of the final episode, the showrunners were like, I mean, come on, guys, we've been laying an Easter egg since day one. Our theme song is literally Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, <laughs> Peter Dinklage. <laughs> That's my buddy, Wesley. I, I think uh, the couple things, first of all, um, somebody on Twitter said, oh, wow, it's going to be great watching Peter's head explode because Tyrion continues oh, yeah. to be dumb. And I would say it's not my head that exploded. It's Danny's. And secondly, uh, I think people need to start asking themselves, if Danny does get killed by Tyrion, by Jon, by Arya, by anybody, how are you going to feel about it? Because we've spent a tremendous amount of time with this character. And are you going to be okay with it? Because it turns out she's a genocidal maniac. Yes. Or, are you, <laughs> or if you're not Greta, are you going to be a little upset? Because, my God, I love that character and I've been rooting for her and I've seen her overcome so much in a kind of – she's become, as Elizabeth Warren pointed out, this huge feminist icon, this, this woman who had nothing, who was sold more or less as a sex slave and has risen from that to be a queen by virtue of her own character, her courage, her intellect, her certainty. And now you're going to be supposed to be happy when she gets killed because of what she just did. It's complex, isn't it? How much of it is really her intellect and just the fact that she had dragons, though? Oh, I am, I, I, you know? I am, I am again, because I have no life, rereading. And <laughs> I'm back at the point in book three, which... Yeah, but we're li- not talking about the books anymore, man. Well, hold on. We are off we are, we are leading up. I'm, I'm at the point in the book where I'm leading up to um, my single favorite moment, both in the books and probably, well, not quite the TV show, but certainly the books. And that is where she takes the Unsullied, where she says the line, that's because he is not a slave and Dracarys. And that is absolutely fucking balls out great when she does that. <laughs> yeah. And and it was wonderful in the TV show. Yeah. We all remember the shot of like the... the, the a the dragon explode. is not a slave. Exactly. In the book, it's even more powerful because he can bring this scope to it and get inside her mind. And that's the character who we are all saying right now, oh my God, she's a crazy mad woman and, and maybe she has to die and she's a genocidal maniac. So, you know, in terms of like creating complexity... Well, yeah. I would also say that everyone who is trying to take away the power from her yeah. has also been preaching mercy. So do you answer violence with violence? Yeah. Or is there some sort of super sad ending, which is basically Danny, who has no power, as she realizes, aside from her dragon, because she has no allies and she has no trusted advisors. That's the, I guess it's fear then, yeah. as opposed to love. Right. So she has no one to come to her defense. She, you know... Uh, isn't going to be able to rule. So my predictions are either she kills herself or she we see her sort of rotting in a dungeon of some kind, hmm. which is in some ways the saddest thing because like she has no one to to save her. The dragon maybe just flies off. Like what you know? What do you do about the dragon? Uh, apparently, scorpions are no yeah, match no, for the, this dragon. Yeah, the dragon. Um, whatever. I mean, whatever happens with the dragon, it doesn't seem if anything is anybody left to do anything about it. But but Danny. So who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, she she could, you know, try to win a war with a dragon, but she's not going to have an army anymore. Yeah. Um, except for whatever Unsullied are left, which I guess, you know, she might I, I think, think she's th- not completely alone. Grey Worm's still alive. That's her only advisor, whatever I guess, army, Yeah, she has Grey Worm. Whatever army was camped in front of, and there was a big army yeah. camped in front of yeah, uh, King's Landing, mostly. they seem to be mostly still left because yeah. they, they, they didn't get 
too battered or bloodied in their sack of King's Landing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think she doesn't she doesn't survive it. Or if she does, it's it's sort of in chains, which as the breaker of chains would be particularly sad. Yes. There's just one episode left. My God. Oh, that's insane. I yeah. know. It's funny. I still stand by what I said last week. I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. I but, was wondering about but that. But now I'm going, I think I'm, this week I'm, I'm going to be a little sadder about it than I anticipated. Because I think, I think next week is going to be emotionally difficult in the best way, in the way that you like watch TV or read fiction because you want to yeah. get emotionally invested. And I think it's going to have some power. All right. Well, we will see you here. Same dragon time, same dragon place next week. We have a newsletter. Uh, it's pretty great. Just click on the blue sign up link on our Facebook page. We're nerd at podcast. You can find us online at wbt.org slash thrones. You can weigh in online with the hashtag nerd at recaps. I, for one, will be spending a good amount of my week on Twitter because it's the last week for us all to obsess about this show yes, together. I know. So I'm going to try to relish in it. Special thanks to Shmemily One, which I think is a fun version of Emily, that I hope is her God-given name. Shmemily? Shmemily. That would be nice. Uh, she said the show is fun light recaps with some predictions thrown in. Hopefully we were able to do that for you one more time today, and yet just one more time after that. The show is produced by us, along with Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizek. Our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. Hey, can I throw in a plug? Never occurred to me to do this. Uh, <laughs> in case you guys are wondering what else you might watch, especially on your premium kit channel, HBO, there's a miniseries called Chernobyl. Uh, episode two is tonight, Monday. Uh, I have an involvement with it. I know the creator, Craig Mazin, and he invited me to do a, a podcast in which we talk about the background, the history, the creation of the show, what they could put in, what they couldn't put in, what they needed to put in. Uh, obviously, I'm biased. But it's really an excellent TV show. And this is like not a documentary, right? No, it is a fictional recreation of a real event. At any rate, even though it's a project that I did with him, I genuinely believe that people will enjoy this TV show and the podcast. So check it out if you're of a mind. You know, someone left us a voicemail saying that uh, last night's episode will prepare us well for Chernobyl. Yes. uh, I I, I, I mean, in a weird way, and I've seen the show, tonight's episode of Chernobyl, which is about the aftermath of the accident and people desperately trying to keep millions of people from being killed, is actually, compared to last night's Game of Thrones, fairly cheerful. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I had four cough drops over the course of that recording. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.